I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Verses 10 through 13. Mark 8, verses 10 through 13. Um, I'm at the right place. Oh, yeah, there we are. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha, And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. And he saith, Why doth this generation... Now, when you look at this generation, we're not talking about our generation. That's that generation back then. It's another thing. So many times we put ourselves back about 2,000 years ago. And there's a whole group of people he's dealing with right here. But he allows us to know that we can be like that group of people if we're not careful. This generation seek after sign. Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And then he left them and entered into the ship and departed unto the other side. All right. You may be seated. We prayed. I believe God has heard us. Uh, and I believe God's going to deal with this. Now, I, I want you, to, again, I want you, now I, just, I want you to get under the spirit of what I have to say because I know that uh, everything I try to deal with, I try to deal with it in, in the degree of getting us somewhere. All right? Plus the fact that I believe, I've always believed that you get what you preach. And if you don't preach some evangel, evangelization-type messages, you're not going to get it. If I just try to preach to you some deep message that somebody, you know, preached somewhere else or something of that nature, and, you know, you can go, ooh, and all, and Brother Robertson, a great preacher, I, I don't really care about that. If we need to go somewhere. We need to see people saved. So that's exactly what I'm going to do with uh, what I'm going to tell you here at the very beginning, because there was a truck driver that was taking his load to a brand-new destination. As he drove, he was intently watching the signs leading to his exit. Now, this was in his effort to find the right exit. He wanted to find where to get off. Well, in the process of this, he missed the signs warning him of a low overpass ahead. So to his astonishment, his truck became stuck under the overpass. Anybody ever had that happen? I did with a van one time. I didn't get stuck, but I scraped. I got in this parking garage and heard the top of my van. And I was in there. You know, and so I just kept scraping it all the way out. turned out that I'd, I'd bought this van off someone else, and when I got up to look at the damage I'd done, someone else had done it before I had. So it didn't do any more damage. It was already done. So it's a nasty feeling, you know. Overpass, you don't know what to do. You get in there or a parking garage, and you got this noise carrying on. You think the whole top of your van's coming off. Doesn't that really interest you? I'm glad that it did. So, so he got this. This poor guy, he could not go forward, and he couldn't back up. And you know what would happen in a situation like that? Traffic began to back up. Tempers began to flare. Police were called. Wreckers were summoned. And an effort began to free the stuck truck. They tried tow trucks. They tried winches. They used grease. They tried pulleys. They tried wedges and anything else anyone suggested. Nothing worked. The hours passed and the truck remained just as stuck as it had ever been. By this time... A considerable crowd had gathered to watch the workers in their attempts to free the truck. In that crowd was a little boy who was riding his bicycle over the overpass. 
So he stopped to watch the show, and after a few minutes, he called out to one of the policemen below, and he said, Hey, officer, he said, I know how to get the truck out from under the bridge. The policeman looked up and ignored. You know, can you imagine a little 12-year-old boy thinks they know everything? You know, and he's looking up at this little 12-year-old boy. I put the 12 in there. Uh, and, you know, he kind of looked at him, and, and, and he ignored him. This is what you would do, especially when you're a policeman, you know everything that there is to know about all that you know. So the boy, wanting to help, cried out louder, and he said, Hey, officer, I know how to get the truck out from under the bridge. So with a bit of irritation in his voice, the police officer said, Okay, boy, he said, Tell me how. So without a pause, the little boy said, Let some air out of the tires. They let the air out of the tires and drove the truck out. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that tale is true or not, so don't, you know, don't put that as gospel. I just heard the tale but either way the story does teach a couple of important truths first it's easy to overlook the obvious even when it's staring you right in the face second wise people learn to pay attention to all the signs everything signs are important in this physical world and 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 i think all of us i've missed a few signs along the way uh and and you know i i I know that uh, sometimes I've missed speeding signs. Of course, normally with me, it's going the opposite direction, not going too fast. But I've missed a few signs and didn't slow down. Signs, uh, you know, sometimes you miss a, an exit or something. You just don't pay attention. But signs help you to know where you are and what you're supposed to be doing. Signs serve a valuable purpose in our lives. Now, just as there are signs in the physical realm, there are also signs in the spiritual arena. Those signs are even more important than the signs in the physical world. You, you can miss a sign or two here and there, and you'll probably be okay, but if you miss too many spiritual signs, you might end up in hell. Now, I'm going to be real blunt tonight. At the very least, you're going to get in deep trouble with the Lord if you miss too many spiritual signs. Now, this passage tells us about a group of people who missed all the signs and got themselves into big trouble with the Lord Jesus. So I, I want us to, to look at this for a minute, and, and, and let's see what happens when you miss the spiritual signs that the Lord has prepared for us. I want you to see the truths in this passage, and, and, and I, I'm going to preach tonight, and what I'm, I'm titling this is simply don't miss the signs. And this is a warning that many people need to take to heart. Jesus had just finished, just finished, multiplying the the bread and the fishes. A few loaves, a few fish. He fed 4,000 people. They had seven baskets that was left over in this particular passage in the book of Mark. So he had just finished this. And and immediately, it said, according to verse 10, he, he and his men immediately left by ship and got, went to another part of Israel. Now, as soon as they arrived, they're met by the Pharisees. And you, you all know the Pharisees were the religious conservatives of that day. They were legalistic and they had, and they hated Jesus because Jesus refused to do things their way. They had a set way, a traditional way of believing in God and having church. And if you did not do it their way exactly, you just couldn't fit in. And Jesus couldn't fit into their way of thinking. Regardless of whether he was right or not, it didn't make any difference. 
church. Are you with me here tonight? Sometimes it doesn't make any difference if God is moving in here in the church and some, some people may be there and say, well, it's not the way that I did it before. It's not the way that my mama did it. But let me tell you, when God is moving, it doesn't matter what your opinion may be. It doesn't matter how legalistic you might be. What matters is if it, God is moving and people are being saved, then we continue to have church in the right way. Oh, let's give him a hand clap. So when Jesus arrives, they went out to meet him. The Bible says in verse 11, they begin to question him. The word question means to dispute or to argue. And the word is an intense that suggests that they would not shut up. No matter what he did, they would not shut up. Give us a sign. Give us a sign. Give us a sign. He just left feeding 4,000 people with two bluegill and a little bit of, of rich crackers. He had just done that. How many more signs do you need? But you see, that's the whole point with sign seekers. You never get enough signs. If I was to say 10,000 angels appear and he was a sign seeker, we could have 10,000 angels, but he'd want 20,000. If we had 20,000, somebody said, well, show me 50,000. You see, it's a mindset that people have. All they want is sensationalism. Why do you think Benny Hinn gets so many people to follow him? It's not because of his hair. They follow him because of the sensationalism. The sensationalism. And it wouldn't make any difference whether he had a miracle or didn't make have a miracle. He can talk like he's had them all the time, and people are not going to know the difference. People are just out there chomping at the bit. When you can really give them the real thing, that's what's going to make a difference. But it's not going to be the real thing for people who are seeking it all the time. It's going to be people who are people of faith, and they love God and trust God, and God will just automatically give the signs and the wonders to those people. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Bible says they were tempting him. That is, they were putting him to the test. They were trying to get Jesus to prove his authority and the source of his power. After all, if Jesus is of God, then surely he could do some wonders in the sky above to prove it. Other men of God had done similar things in Israel's past. And this is what they were basing it on. Joshua had commanded the sun to set to be still, and it obeyed him in Joshua 10. Samuel prayed during a battle, and the Lord answered with strong, loud thunder, which confounded the enemies. Elijah prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again, and it rained. Elijah also called down fire from heaven, which consumed the sacrifice and the altar that lay upon. Now hear me. This is what they knew had happened. Others had done similar things in the past to prove that they were from the Lord. So what these men were really trying to do was to get Jesus to promise more than he could deliver. That's what they wanted him to do. I want you to do this. I want you to do more than you can deliver. They knew about the things he had done with the people. He, they knew about the demons. They knew about the food. They were trying to get him to attempt a miracle and fail so they could denounce him as a false prophet. There can be people and there have been men of God who have prayed and had people completely delivered, completely healed, and they could go and pray for someone else and it didn't happen and they will forget the first one. They'll forget what has just happened. 
And I can't always say that the men of God are doing the right thing. They may get on a, and maybe God spoke to them about one and didn't about the other, but they can get so caught up in the moment that people can say they're a false prophet because it didn't happen the second time, simply because it didn't do the way they wanted it to happen. Why do we have to forget the things that God has done for us in the past? Why should we forget when God has done a miracle? Why should I forget when God filled me with the Holy Ghost and I speak with other tongues? Why should I forget something like that? Because Maybe somebody made a mistake afterwards. Come on, hear me. I'm not looking for a sign. I'm looking for the sign giver. They were saying that all the things that Jesus had already done and the power of God were insufficient to prove he was the Messiah. They knew the things he had done, but they wanted more. Consider this with me for a minute. These are the things the Jews had already witnessed. Jesus had healed the sick. He'd raised the dead. He had delivered people from bondage of demon possession. He had walked on water. He had calmed the storms. He had twice multiplied a meager amount of food and fed the multitudes. Jesus had opened the Word of God, preached it clearly, and made the meaning of the Scriptures plain to all that heard Him. The people were all talking about Him. They said, we never saw it in this fashion in Mark 2. They said He had done all things well in Mark 7. The Pharisees had heard enough gospel to save the world. If I could take everything that you've heard in this church in the last five years and multiply it in this world, we could save everybody in the world. If you could take it in every apostolic church that's in this country, in this area, and you multiply it, you could save more than one world. Are you with me? They had heard all this. They knew what his power was. They knew what he could do. They'd heard it all. They had, they'd seen enough to prove, to convince the most stubborn of skeptics. Their problem was simply they did not want to believe in Jesus. They did not want him to be their Messiah. They refused to bow to him as their Savior. That was their problem. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but I got somebody zoned in right now. Really got somebody zoned in. I don't care how many times you can stand around and you can hear somebody talk about this as there's nothing to it. I just, we got a prayer request the other day about somebody who was, had just gotten their license and their wife just turned and walked out and said that she no longer believed in the Holy Ghost. Just got his license. How can anybody that's ever received the baptism of the Holy Ghost say there's nothing to it? My friend, when you begin to do something like this, you are bordering on blasphemy if you haven't already arrived. You know, I have a hard time. I'm the kind of person that can't believe that someone would say that ever really had the Holy Ghost. Because, listen, when I got the Holy Ghost, there was something that changed in me. No one could take that away from me. No one could tell me I didn't have an experience with God. No one could tell me there wasn't miracles that were happening. For too many people are waiting on some supernatural event to prove the existence of God. The fact is, God has already proven that He exists. This is the, those basic truths that you can visualize within the world. 
that lets you know the existence of God. Romans 1 says that creation proves that the things that are not seen, the things that are not seen exist because we see those things that are not seen in creation itself. That we can actually know the existence of God by walking out and looking at a tree. That we can know the existence of God by looking into the stars. That we can know it when we allow our minds to grasp the simplicity which is in Christ Jesus. Then things begin to happen. Oh, He exists. He's proven that. While the world's looking for a sign, God tells us that He's visible in the ordinary things of this world. The things we take for granted every day are the very things that prove God is real. I, I, I want you to look at some of these. Uh, the, the psalmist said this in Psalm 19. He said, consider the heavens. God tells us that the heavens above tells us about Him. Our earth is traveling around its axis at 1,000 miles per hour. It moves around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour. It is carried by the sun across our galaxy at a speed of 64,000 miles per hour. It moves in orbit around our galaxy at 481,000 miles per hour. It travels through space at 1,350,000 miles per hour. Every 24 hours we cover 57,360,000 miles. Each year we travel 20,936,400,000 miles across empty space. And every movement in the billions of galaxies in the universe occur with precise split second timing. Do you hear me? How can that just have happened? That proves the existence of God. That proves He's here. You're sitting back there wondering if God exists. You better listen to what I'm saying here. God's dealing with your heart right now to let you know that I'm real. You feel the conviction as it grips your heart at this very second. Consider the vast size of our universe. It is so vast that it takes a beam of light which travels 700 million miles per hour or 186,411 miles per second over 100,000 years just to cover the length of our galaxy, the Milky Way. And our galaxy is only one among billions in the known universe. Imagine, imagine this. An orange would represent the sun. A grain of sand is the earth circling the orange at a distance of 30 feet. Pluto, most remote planet, well, I'm not sure they say it is anymore, but we'll just say that. And our solar system is another grain of sand circling the orange at 10 city blocks away or just about from here to the park. That's just about, think of that in your mind. Keep that in your mind. Alpha Centauri. The nearest star is 1,300 miles away from the orange. About from here to the Rocky Mountains. Just about in that, some of that nature. Now, consider how small our universe is. All matter in the universe is made of atoms. There are so many atoms on the head of an ink pen that if an army marched past four abreast every soldier carrying one atom, it would take the army 20,000 years to march past. That's how many atoms is on the end of an ink pen. And this just happened. It was a great bang. And it all happened. I make great bangs all the time. Just beat on things and nothing ever happens when I do that. Make the atoms move a little bit, you're right. 
it's hard to get him to move. I mean, Adam's more time. <laughs> Consider the marvel of the human body. David said that we were fearfully and wonderfully made in Psalm 139. A sperm and an egg joined together to produce life. No two people in the world are exactly alike. No two fingerprints are alike. Consider the marvel of DNA. Every one of the 7.5 trillion of cells in your body contains a genetic material to make another you. And your DNA is unique to you. You are different. You're different from every other person who ever lived. You get that? And all of these things just happen in evolution. All of this happened from a fish that got tired of swimming. So he thins himself up on the, on the bank, and then all of a sudden he says, I think I'll get some feet. And he got some feet. And he said, I'll get some arms, and then I'll, I'll get some head. And then he said, I'll get some hair. Some of you never made it that far. Hallelujah. All of these things scream that there is a God. All of it screams that there is a God. Are you with me? Are you with me? What more signs do you need? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, The fact is, these signs and many more are proof positive of God's existence. To reject Him and His Word while you claim to be waiting for a sign is nothing more than rebellion. That's all it is. If you're looking for a sign today, look no further than Calvary. The cross stands as an eternal sign of the love of God for lost sinners. If you're looking for a sign, look to the empty tomb. It is the eternal sign that our Savior is alive forevermore. If you need a sign pointing the way to God, look at the Bible in your lap. Look at it. It has survived the attacks of all the enemies of God. It still clearly points the way of salvation. And if you're looking for a sign to prove the claims of the Bible and that the Lord are real, just look around you. Look at the changed lives around you. If you don't think the Bible is real, I'm a sign. I'm a sign. He's a sign. They're signs of what God can do and how great God is. Pharisees, they didn't believe because they didn't want to believe. They didn't want to believe. Their request for a sign was a smokescreen. Even if Jesus had rent the heavens, they would not have believed in him. They rejected him because he wasn't what they expected. Why is it that some people can come down and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Speak in tongues and immediately have joy. That's the, that, that's the fruit right there. That's what the Bible tells us. And then the next person could come down, speak with tongues, and question whether they received the Holy Ghost or not. Because they were expecting something greater. They wanted thunder from heaven. They thought they were so special. Let me inform you. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
you will speak with tongues and have joy. And that's enough for me. That's enough for you. You'll have fruit of the Spirit afterwards. Sometimes what God gives you, it takes a little while for you to be able to embrace all of it. It's one of the greatest things that will ever happen to you. Don't you wait. Don't you wait till God gives you some kind of special sign. Listen, He didn't give me any special sign. What makes you much more important than I am? What makes any of you? When God said, the Word of God says this is what we should have, that's all we need. Because if it agrees with the Word, that's all I need. That is exactly what God told me I would have, and that's what I'm going to have. So I'm asking you this. They rejected Him because He wasn't what they were expecting. So what's your excuse? When Jesus hears their demand, He's grieved in His soul. His is a sigh of frustration, perhaps even of anger. His question is, why doth this generation seek after a sign? It was a question that was born out of amazement. He was, he was amazed. After all, that generation had the greatest sign of all in their midst. They had the Messiah there with them. God in the flesh walking among them, and they could not even recognize Him. They were looking for a heavenly sign. Heaven had taken up residence among them and they missed it. Why would you look for a sign in heaven when heaven was walking beside you? Jesus said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. John 14, 9. But when men looked at Jesus, they didn't see the Father. They saw the devil. Mark 3, 22. That generation had all the signs and they could not see the truth that was standing right in front of their eyes. John described it in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. In the 14th verse it said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among you. There was your sign. Right there. How often does just some good prophet raise a dead person? How often does a good prophet walk on the water? You ever just... Oh, maybe I'm just this way. I'd love to have been there. Knowing what I know now. I'd love to have stood amongst those Pharisees. I would have probably got crucified with them. They said, what? Are you a bunch of idiots? A bunch of, not, not stupid. Why don't you go to your temple and eat some more showbread or do something? Just, just get out of here. generation had all the signs they failed to see the truth thus jesus told them that they should give he was going to be given no sign but the sign of the prophet jonah matthew 12 the only sign that they would be given would be christ's resurrection from the dead and when that sign came to pass just as jesus had said it would they also rejected that in matthew 28 that generation refused to believe because they didn't want to believe jesus knew their condition he refused to play their game and he told them he wasn't in the sign business There's two basic problems with signs. First, when a sign is given, another sign is desired. It's never enough. No matter what Jesus did, these men would have never believed. And he could have opened the heavens and caused myriads of angels to appear, but they would have wanted to see more. He could have done any number of signs and wonders in the heavens above, and they still would have wanted to re wouldn't receive him. They would have always wanted one more miracle. The same is true today. 
people are never satisfied if they if they come because of sensationalism they'll require the same thing every time they come and i can be proven down in pensacola florida a few years ago I was down there one time when they were having that big revival and all these signs and wonders. As soon as the evangelist left, all the multitudes left with him. The only thing that occurred there was that the evangelist and the, and the church made millions of dollars. And they said that's exactly what happened. Because they were seeking a sensationalism. The next new thing. Let me tell you, there's nothing new that has not already been wrought according to this. Yes, we can do better when it comes to miracle signs and wonders, fruits of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. I understand all that. I know all that, and I want to see all that, and I will preach all that next time. But I'm saying right now I'm not seeking that. I'm seeking a closer relationship with the one that will just naturally give it to me. Second, signs don't save. Faith does. Jesus could have done all the signs imaginable. It would never have saved a single soul unless that soul reached out to him in simple childlike faith. It isn't the miracles that save souls. It's faith. When faith touches grace, the greatest miracle of all, the salvation of a human soul, takes place. It's the greatest miracle of all. You've got to have grace and faith. You've got to have them. That takes you down the road. Takes you down the road. And what they call the Roman road. And I believe that. Because the Roman road will take you. Romans 10 will take you right to repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It takes you there. And I, I believe you, you, it starts with that. If you're waiting for God to do something miraculous, you'll never start down. It's that simple childlike faith that you can, admit, you can admit right now that you feel something in your heart. You can admit right now that there's a drawing that you feel. That's what it takes. Jesus isn't in the sign business. He's in the salvation business. If you're waiting for a Damascus Road experience before you come to Jesus, you're probably waiting a long time. Most folks don't get the dog and pony show. This doesn't happen. Some do. I've heard some that did. I didn't. There's a lot of you that didn't. Maybe a few of you heard a rushing mighty wind when you got the Holy Ghost. I didn't. I didn't hear it. I've heard other things since, but I've never heard it when I initially got it. But guess what? My experience was just as real as if every wind in the place broke. Believe me. So if you're waiting on a sign, you might just go to hell while you wait. Again, the greatest sign of all has already been given. Look to Calvary. See a crucified Savior. Look to the tomb. See Him resurrected from the dead. And if you can believe those events, and you can take them at face value, then you can be led right to repentance. You can be led right to the the baptism in Jesus' name. You can be led right to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can be led right to it. So this is what the Lord is trying to tell you today. There shall no sign be given to this generation. And if you're waiting on a sign, you're waiting on something that isn't coming. Because you see, you had just been given a sign. Tonight, you heard the preaching of His Word. The greatest sign that you will get when it comes to coming towards God and finding salvation. That's what it takes. 
And the words of verse 13 are among the saddest in all the gospel record. And it says this, and he left them. Gone. He left them. Nothing more to say. You're not getting a sign. I'm not going to talk to you because of what you're doing. I taught a Bible study one time. This old guy was at a, uh, assisted. It was kind of an assisted living place. He was actually teaching several people. And this poor old guy was in a wheelchair. He came to the Bible study. And he'd take over the Bible study. Take over. If I'd say something he didn't agree with, he'd let you know he didn't agree with it. I mean, he wasn't looking for a sign. He was looking for an argument. And I argued with him for a little bit. And finally I got tired of it. So I went to his, his, his particular apartment early one time, and I said, look, him and his wife, it felt so bad. I said, you can't come if you're going to keep this up. Start crying, made me feel even worse. They did. But, you know, I had a choice to make there. The other people were not coming because he was there. Sometimes you have to make choices. Jesus did it with them. You're looking for a sign. You're looking for an argument. I'm leaving. I'll see you. For those of you teaching Bible studies, just remember what I just said. There comes a time that you have to just go. It's all you can do. They refused to believe, and he abandoned them in their choice. Those men experienced the wrath of God's abandonment. He turned them over to their own ways and left them in their darkness. What a, what a horrible thought. But that's just exactly what the Lord does. And you can see in Romans 1, 18 through 28, he left them to themselves. He abandoned them. He'll not deal with you forever. There'll come a point when he will walk away from, from you and never return. He'll abandon you to the eternity that you have chosen. If God has been speaking to you about salvation, you need to heed his voice. You need to heed his voice. There will come a day when he'll stop speaking to you. And when will that day be? That day could be today, could be tomorrow, could be a week from now, a month, a year. I don't know. But that day will come. It will come. And don't bet your soul on the thought that you always have tomorrow. There's a lot of people that do. You need to get right with God today. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. In 2 Corinthians 6. No one goes to hell because God sends them there. People go to hell because they refuse to turn from their sins and believe and, 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 and get a hold of salvation. People go to hell because they love darkness rather than light. People go to hell because God is a God of love who does not force himself on anyone against their will. Do you understand what I just said? People go to hell because God is a God of love. He never makes you do anything. He gently coaxes you. He gently nudges you. You know, people go to hell because God allows them to have their own way. And you just have to question, is that really what you want? And if you think I'm here trying to scare you, you know, I really don't care whether you think that or not. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. 
I can't scare anybody into salvation. You can only be saved, and, and you can only be saved when the Spirit of God is drawing you to Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And I would say this, if I thought I could scare you into it, I would. I would. I can't scare you into it, but I can tell you this. If you don't come to the Lord and believe on Him for salvation, repent of your sins, baptize in His name, receive the Holy Ghost, you will spend eternity in hell. That's just that simple. That is apart from God. I've always wondered, and when I've thought many times, and I imagine a lot of us, that if you've been saved any length of time, you've always wondered about hell. Of course, we know hell is a place of outer darkness. There's weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. It's a lake of fire. It's eternal torment. But there's also the fact that you could hear what I'm saying right now over and over again for an eternity. And every other time someone ever tried to get you to come to church, anytime anybody ever tried to talk to you, to deal with you, to tell you that your life can change. And that was an interesting thing that uh, I, uh, I looked into. Uh, it, it just hit me the other day. It's e, <clears throat> Numbers 21. Israel was murmuring against Moses and against God. And God sent fiery serpents. These were probably asps, very uh, burning. When they bit you, the poison would burn in your system. And they were dying. People were dying from all these snakes that were biting them. So they came back and they repented to Moses and they said, you've got to do something. We're, we're sorry that we did and said what we said about you. So God told Moses, he said, you take a, a brazen or a brass serpent. You make a brass serpent, put it up on a pole. That's what you see in the doctors have on them, the sign of the physicians. He said, you put that on a pole and you stand it up. And anybody that looks at this, he said, they, 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 they'll be saved from the snake bites. I don't know if anybody's ever, you hear this all the time. That is, would you have to speak the word of faith? But in this case, it was a look of faith. If you look at that in the original language, it said that they gazed at the, at the serpent on the pole. They had to look at it. They didn't say a word. They looked. Do you realize that by looking and gazing at a healing scripture looking and gazing at something that you need financially in this book. You'll get what you need if you have faith when you look at it. It's not a matter of just repeating it. Repeating it helps, of course. But there is also that fact that you can look at something and believe it so much in your mind that you can actually have it happen. It can occur because God will give it to you. He not only, uh, not only a word of faith will he, he honor, but he'll honor you if you look at it with faith. How many times have you been in a place where you really needed a touch from God and you, and you looked at that, at, at scripture that really fit what you had need of, whatever it is. This, just maybe just a closeness with God. Sometimes that's all you need. It's not a matter of needing money. It's not a matter of needing healing. It's not a matter of needing some kind of deliverance. It's just needing God close. And you can look at a scripture and all of a sudden you just felt everything begin to melt away. It's because you looked at that scripture with faith in your heart. So there is not, it's not a glance of faith. It's an intensive look that you look at it and you know that it's going to apply to you. 
And this is what saved Israel when they raised up this, uh, this serpent on, this, on the uh, raisin serpent on a pole. So if you're looking for a sign as the music comes, if you're looking for a sign, let me show you a couple here. Let me help you if you're looking for a sign. You've got to have it. Here's one, John 3, 16 and 18. This is a good one for all denominations as well as for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Here's another one for you. Want a sign? John 6, 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Do you hear that? He said if you come to him, in no way will he cast you out. Stand with me. In no way will he cast you out. Here's one more for you. John six forty seven. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. There are many, many more signs. And if you are interested in every single one of them, they're found right in the Word of God, the Bible. Heed the signs, heaven will be your home. Ignore the signs, you're headed for a tragic ending. Is the Lord speaking to you? Is the Lord speaking to you tonight? If everybody would just bow their heads and begin to pray with me, just pray. Is the Lord speaking to you about your soul? Is He speaking to you about your salvation? Are you going to heed His voice and come to Him right now? This altar is open. This altar is open. There's been a couple of people in here that God has really begun to has has dealt with all service. And let me let me take this one step further. If you've been in the church for a while, but it seems like that your faith is not where it should be, that you secretly have been asking God, you know, been questioning, God, do you exist? You know, is this all, all real? Am I, just, am I just in this and none of this is real? You've listened to too many of the wrong voices. The devil has spoke to you and he's tried to destroy your faith. He's tried to destroy you and that's what he's doing. But if that's happened for you, this altar is open tonight for you. It's open. It's open. Don't ignore what God's saying to you. So as he's speaking to you, you know, imagine, imagine a driver traveling down a highway, passing sign after sign, telling him that the bridge over the river ahead was out. And imagine that same driver plunging to his death in the river because he ignored all the signs. You say, no one would be so foolish. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that just what some of us are doing? Isn't that some of what some of you did before you came to God? You ignored it? You're speeding down the road of life towards your death. Bridge is out. Yet you ignore sign after sign telling you to stop and change roads. Don't plunge into hell. Don't let that happen. Come to Jesus and be saved. Come today. Repent. You know, that's the start of all things. You come down and you kneel at this altar and you begin to repent. And that's simply a conversation with God. You start talking to Him and, and asking Him, Lord, I know that I've not been the kind of person I need to be. You just talk to Him like you would a friend. Lord, I know that I've lived the wrong kind of life, and I want that to change from this point on. I need Your forgiveness. I need Your strength. I need to, I, I, I need to give You everything that I have been and begin to pick up a brand new life. That, that's what you need to do. And you need to talk to Him from your heart. 
That's all you need to do, and you need to be serious when you do it. A lot of people don't even know how to pray. But you can get down and kneel at this altar and begin to talk to him. And I guarantee you will feel his presence. Would you come? I know there's people down here. I still feel, I still feel that there are others that, that Jesus really is dealing with. I know, I know one in particular. Jesus has really been dealing with you. Would you come? As the music begins, or as the singers begin to sing, rather, I, I'm asking you to just step out. Step out of the pew. Step out. Take that step. And come down here and see your life change. See something occur that you never thought could ever happen for you. See something occur that, that was the most wonderful change that you will ever see in your life. There are so many people around you here tonight that can tell you of the change that Jesus made in their life. So many people that can tell you how wonderful their life has been. It doesn't mean that we don't have trials and we don't have troubles. But there's always an assurance that we've got help through everything that we have to endure. Would you come? Would you come? Lord bless you tonight. Please, if you must talk, go out into the, into the vestibule to talk out there. Don't disturb anybody down here. Singers, if you would.